I just taught a class at the Mark, and that's Nashville's Kinky Community Center, and it was about BDSM scene negotiation. So if you don't know what that means, BDSM scene negotiation, that is where you and your partner would maybe sit down and talk about what you want to do in your your scene. So that's like what you want to explore together, maybe what your boundaries are, what toys you might want to play with, you know, what what all you want to do and just making sure everybody kind of agrees upon like what those, you know, what what is going to happen so there's no surprises so that everybody has a fun, safe time. So my class is not just about like how to have that important conversation, but also to me what I thought was important was to add in like what makes it like fun and sexy meaningful and purposeful. So a lot of times I think people do look at like BDSM scene negotiation as boring or dry. And my feeling is like, no, it doesn't need to be that way at all. You really want it to be something fun. So when done well, both people should really walk away feeling connected and enthusiastic about what they plan to do together. And so we really want our partners to have that like excited, you know, good nervous energy, maybe like butterflies in their stomach, something like that, where they're really looking forward to seeing us and playing with us. So question, what would it be like if we took some of the same skills and techniques and we applied them to like our regular conversations, especially flirting conversations where we first meet and are trying to get to know somebody? So the idea here is that our flirtatious conversations can help generate like that same level of enthusiasm and excitement by using some of these same like safety frameworks that are built into that BDSM negotiation process. So that's what we're going to go through today and cover is, is taking ideas from the BDSM negotiation process, which has been figured out for like sort of decades of people refining it, refining it taking the things we learned from that and applying it to our flirtatious conversations to make them really fun and connecting and then leave that person where they have those like nervous, awesome butterflies because they're so excited to see you again. Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, where we help you live the life you want with the people you want. As sex-positive educators and volunteers serving our local national community, we found that some people were struggling to attract who they desired, so we developed ethical seduction as a pathway to help you create authentic connections with whoever you choose. Flirting and seduction skills matter. They're transformative, life-changing skills that benefit everyone around us. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I am your host, Stephen, and I am flying solo on this episode, just me. And I hope you all are enjoying the solo podcast because I'm finding that they really do kind of help with certain topics where we're just trying to take like one point or one teachable element and express that. And, you know, it's just an easy kind of process to do that as, as a solo. I want you to kind of walk away from like listening to the show and like have something that you can really use in your everyday life. Let's talk about scene negotiation. So there's really two parts to this. So the first, I'm going to talk about like the BDSM basics of, of a scene negotiation and what they are so we all understand that process. And then I'm going to roll into like how you can really apply the same concepts into your conversations to establish safety and trust, which is going to lead to the excitement and that good nervous energy. So let's start with scene negotiation and let me give you a general overview of how to set that up and how to have it. Because again, I think if you understand that, that's going to give you this foundation for, for other conversations. So with BDSM, 
negotiation, there's really like two different elements to it. There are one, I call it scene shapers, where you're talking about like the expectations and what you want to do and what you kind of plan, you know, how, how are we going to play together, that sort of thing. And then the other one, for lack of a better term, I'm putting down as hard requirements. So the hard requirements would be like the boundaries, the things that, you know, we do not cross, that we do not do. And also like medical conditions, things like that. And so those to me are just like almost like facts. Like, you know, I need to know the facts of how to keep you safe. And, you know, so tell me what those things are. The scene shapers, there's more flexibility where it's more of that conversation of like, what do we want to do together? You know, and, and listening to the other person and looking for those commonalities and shared interests. So it's really those two parts are the things that make up a good scene negotiation. And out of them... I, when I was preparing this class, I really came up with like five different subcategories, I guess, that you would talk about and want to cover. And those really fit into these two, the either scene shapers or the hard requirements. So very often in my personal experience, you first walk in and you're talking to the other person and you start off very often talking about some expectations, like what types of play do you want to do? Maybe what kind of you know gear or things like that do you want to use or play? And then it could be things like, you know, are you going to, are we going to be clothed or naked? You know, that kind of stuff. And so where those expectations are usually where the, the very beginning of the conversation, often then what I find is it goes fairly quickly into the hard requirements of the facts of the boundaries and the medical conditions, you know, and finding that out. And then again, my experience towards the end, you kind of come back and you're starting to talk about like aftercare, which I'll explain in a second, but like, you know, what are we doing after the scene, the purpose, you know, what are we really trying to do? Why do we want to play together? Why are we having the scene? And that kind of rolls back into the beginning of the circle with expectations again. So that is kind of an outline that I have of expectations going into boundaries and medical aftercare purpose and back to expectations. I don't expect you to remember all that. You don't need to. I'll explain it more in detail in a second. So as a, uh, a summary of what those things are, and a lot of times people want like a BDSM negotiation list. And if you have one, you can find things on the internet. It's not that hard and, and have it maybe on your phone or whatever. That's a really nice kind of list to sort of have because you can just easily kind of turn to it. You can be in the middle of a conversation and you can pull that thing up. And it's not rude at all to have to pull that up and look at it as a reference of like questions to ask and to make sure that you're being thorough and like going through everything. So if you want that, you can find that, you know, BDSM negotiation lists. You can find them on the internet. But if you have something on your phone when you're in those moments, like that could be really a handy tool to have. So for my class, I tried to summarize some of these things. So first off, expectations, like I said, could be like the types of play, the gear or the implements that you plan to use, as well as like, are we going to be clothed? Are we going to be naked? Are we going to have sex? You know, and that's a big one because it's like sex. What is sex? Everybody's a different definition of sex, you know, and um, that needs to often be be described precisely because you don't want to mess up. And the risk is like if you mess up, somebody is pissed off at you. But you could also, if you do something wrong, you could have like um, there, there could be like sexual misconduct. You know, you could have a legal issue with this. So these are kind of important topics to be going through and discussing whether it's BDSM or just regular two people getting together. Okay, let's talk about boundaries. 
So boundaries, for example, could be like coming up with a safe word. You know, if somebody says red, it's a very common safe word, then the scene, whatever you're doing, stops instantly, right? So if you're doing a spanking scene or something, you say red, then it's like everything ends instantly. You stop it, you check on the person, you do whatever you need to do to make sure they feel safe and they're are okay. And then you the scene is over and you talk about it later to make sure that they're comfortable and to kind of bring them back to a safe place, okay? Um, so safe words are really important, but other th other boundaries to talk about would be like, how long of a scene do we wanna have? If there's like hard and soft limits, so a hard limit would be like, I never want to, you know, do needles. Like that's not something I'm interested in, never wanna do it. A soft limit is one of those things where you're saying like, I don't wanna do this now. You know, there's a possibility, maybe in the future, but for right now, no. You know, so that would be a soft limit. And then I would also like to say, like, discussing communication when you're playing is important because a lot of times in the middle of the play, in the middle of the scene, you want to sort of check in on the person. And so I think that's important to talk about beforehand that, hey, when I'm playing with you, you know, please check in with me or I'm going to check in with you and just make sure everything's okay. So if you do that, it doesn't have to like really stop everything. It's just a little, you know, moment of being like, we're going to check in and make sure everybody's okay in the middle of the scene. And you're going to say yes, or I'm going to say yes. And then we'll keep, you know, keep going. So discussing those check-ins to me is, is an important thing. And that is related to the boundaries of just making sure that everything's fine in that moment when you're actually playing. So another one, of the important things to discuss is medical. So that's gonna be things like your physical conditions, uh, flexibility that you have. I know some people might have like skin sensitivity, those, those kind of things. Medical conditions such as diabetes, which is one that always comes to mind. And, and if you have certain medical conditions and you express to the person like what they are, you know, add in there like, hey, with like the diabetes as an example, it's like, you know, if my blood sugar drops, I need to have candy on hand or I need to have a, a you know, a juice box or something like that to, to do things. And just talk about like, if this happens, you know, if something comes up, you know, how are we going to treat it? What are we going to do? Also just be aware of like allergies, discuss those. If anybody has any allergies, latex, sometimes people are allergic to latex. So that's something to like ask and check about. Um, and then if there's medicine or even like recreational drugs, you know, we always say if you're playing, if you're doing BDSM, don't do any recreational drugs. It's just safer. You can't really give consent if you're high, for example. But if the person is on something, it's really better to know it than to not know it. So if you can make it safe when you're having your discussion, it's like, yeah, let's not do anything. But if you do, like, tell me, because at least if I know, I can like treat things better. Uh, and then privacy just... This is important, I think. Privacy, if somebody shares information with you, medical information about them, often they're being kind of vulnerable about it, you know, when they state it. So just treat that with care and and give them privacy. You know, don't share that with other people that you know. You know, that's really a conversation, say, between the two of you of what their their medical needs are. So aftercare is another important aspect of BDSM scene negotiation to discuss that when the scene itself ends, like what happens after that? So if you're at a club, you might have to, when, when the scene ends, you might have to do some cleanup. And the person who is the bottom, you, they, they might not be in a state of mind where they're really able to clean up. 
but it's good and it's important to kind of talk about like what is going to happen like when we finish the scene you know what is going to happen in the immediate you know that immediate time right afterwards but then also like at our club a lot of times afterwards people will go into the lounge area and they'll sit and they will kind of cuddle up and you know just kind of regroup for just have some downtime basically and so it's like some people you know want to be held and cuddled other people do not you know and so like what does the person i'm going to say the bottom in this in this case like what do they really want and need and and the tops too what does the top want and need so to have that that discussion about like what are we going to do after the scene is over you know what do you want and need that's really important and i'm going to say this includes like a call or a text like the next day where you check in and see how the other person's feeling that's that is just i feel like that is standard like if you play with somebody you need to check in the next day and make sure that they're okay you don't have to do a lot you know but that one little text message show shows that you care so and then the fifth one coming back to it was like the purpose you know discussing like why are we playing together so especially if it's the first time that you've ever played so often i feel like those scenes are about establishing trust and just kind of feeling each other out like you you've never played before so you don't really know how the other person's going to be and what their style is going to be and how they're going to how they're going to check in with you and how they're going to like take care of you uh, those those kind of things so a lot of times the purpose maybe of a first time scene is a little bit of like establishing trust and a little bit of exploring and just kind of getting to know each other. And that, that is a great, wonderful purpose right there. If it's more, if you've played before, you know, then you might have a different purpose and why you're wanting to, to play. Now, some people will probably say, like, you don't, we don't need to know this. We just know that we like to do spanking and we sit down and that's what we do. And we just kind of don't think about it too much. And that's fine. There's really nothing wrong with that. But I think it is kind of good too to sort of know, like, are, are we exploring something? You know, what, are, what is the purpose, you know, that we're trying to do with this and, and why do we care about playing with each other? So if you are exploring things, just a couple topics just to mention, it's like there could be some, sometimes people will play like, and somebody cries, you know, and that might be something that you want to explore. You know, it's a vulnerability type thing. And it's, it's important to kind of talk like if I, to talk about if somebody cries, in the scene, like, how is that going to be handled? You know, is that, is that, uh, is that okay? And just to kind of work through that out. So again, knowing the purpose and then things that might pop up related to it, very, very helpful. Um, and I do want to mention too, there could be like emotions that pop up. Like, so you might have like new emotions such as like, if you're doing like gender bending or gender roles or things like that, it doesn't necessarily have to be like with how you get hit with a physical in implement. It could be more in your mental headspace, And that could be a great thing, a great purpose to explore. But you want to kind of know like if, you know, something bad comes up or whatever in that thing, like how are we going to handle that? And then just last thing I guess on purpose is like, there's a lot of deepening aspects. You, you know, you're playing with somebody, you've got some stuff established, some shared commonalities and interests that you like to explore and that you're deepening that, you know, and trying to go to a little bit further. So a lot of DS play is doing this, but it can, it's really anything where you've got connection and trust very often when you're doing a scene, you're kind of working towards deepening that connection and trust that we feel. So that is a general recap, those five aspects, uh, expectations, boundaries, medical, aftercare, and purpose of like 
in the BDSM, when you're having that negotiation discussion, you're covering those topics. And by doing so, then you're pretty well prepared to go in and like, and have your scene. And if something comes up that's unexpected or something goes wrong, you kind of have that to fall back on. You've had that discussion beforehand. And so hopefully there's no like real surprises that catch somebody, you know, off guard. But if they do, then you're kind of ready for it, you know, and you've, you've got some, some, uh, foundation in place for, you know, for trust and, and guidance. So next part of this, of this episode that I really want to get into, I think is the more fun aspect we'll say, okay, is like, so, you know, to kind of recap it, like, what would it be like if we took some of these same skills from the BDSM negotiations and we applied them to regular conversations where we're first meeting people and getting to know them? So like, what, what, what would that be like? And the idea again is that if our flirtatious conversations can help generate that same level of enthusiasm and excitement as like they do for the BDSM negotiations, then we're going to have better conversations. You know, we're going to have connecting deeper conversations because we're going to understand the person and we're going to understand the purpose of why we're playing or we're having to understand the purpose of why we're getting together for coffee, as an example. So I have broken this down into five tips. And I think when I explain these, I think they'll just make sense and you will just know them from here on out for the rest of your life. That's my hope. Uh, so it's, again, it's not anything you really have to like write down or try to memorize or whatever. I think that just by explaining through it, it'll, all these things will make sense. So the first thing is about consent. So if you know about BDSM, BDSM is, consent is like the backbone of BDSM. It's like, I feel like so often, like what we do is try to do these, you know, really interesting kind of things. And the BDSM part is like, how do we do them in a safe manner? That lets us explore these kind of edgier things, but again, in a, in a safe way. So the point of the BDSM negotiation process is really to make sure that, that everything is done consensually. So if we think back to like, you know, what does this person want to do or not do? You know, that's related to consent. What are the boundaries, you know, that we need to, to put in place and respect in order for somebody to feel safe and comfortable? That's all about having a conversation about where their consent is. And then what is the purpose of the play and what can everybody expect in it? So the same thing happens when you get, get into the, like these get to know you conversations with somebody you just maybe just met or don't know that well, same, same kind of points apply. So it's like, you know, what are they interested in doing? You know, and that could be like, what are they interested in doing like the for the next date or like the next time you go get together? It's, you know, having those conversations. What are the boundaries that we need to work within? And again, even though it's just a conversation and you might be just trying to get a second date, we'll say, you need to kind of know some of those boundaries because if you can know those things and the person is going to feel safe, they're going to want to see you for that second date. So tip number one really is just to remember that when we're having these conversations, consent is that backbone, just like it is in BDSM. It really is the same thing of just having any respectful, kind conversation with a person that you like. The consent, treating them well is, is the backbone. It's a foundational element. My second tip is about establishing safety. So one reason we have the BDSM negotiation discussions is to make sure that everybody feels safe and knows what is ex expected and, and how things are going to be handled if a surprise pops up. So safety is 
when is safety is like a foundational element. And I really do think like you're not going to have any attraction. Like it really can't happen unless the person feels safe to begin with. So Brandy, one for those of you who know Brandy from this from the show, uh, challenged me one time about you know that she could see somebody and sort of like be interested and like them like instantly, you know. And so she was saying like Steve, like I don't think safety has to come first. Sometimes attraction comes first. And in our discussion, I said, well, yeah, but don't you think it's like the way they're holding themselves, you know, the way they maybe approach you, the way they are acting that you see these things. And in just a few seconds, they, they give you a sense that, okay, this person is safe. They're not doing anything that is triggering you to think that they're not safe, you know? And then she and Brandy was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, so that the person does even really quickly can establish like some level of safety that then the attraction can build on. But if you don't have any safety, there's the attraction just dies. You know, once you mess up and you have scared somebody or acted inappropriately, those kind of things where trust is broken, safety is broken, then it's like the attraction just goes away because you're no longer, you know, a, a safe person to be around. And so the BDSM, again, with all its kind of safety things in mind, that is a key found that's a key foundational thing that applies to our regular conversations. So we've just met somebody and they don't know us. We have to make sure that everything we do, that they know that they're safe and that they're comfortable and that we're going to respect things like boundaries. So tip number three is about boundaries and how boundaries are our guide. And so I want to break this into two different sections. Okay. So first off, I think it's fairly clear, like boundaries are something that needs to be respected. You don't want to cross them or you'll break your trust and you'll, you'll lose that connection. And so boundaries are important to respect. An interesting twist to this that I've kind of noticed is that, especially with BDSM, when you're doing a scene, if you keep the person sort of like too safe, the scene can end up being really boring. And the best scenes often end up dealing with something like a vulnerability, something that they want to explore, but maybe a little bit scared to explore. And so like getting close to certain boundaries often that can like also like be a connecting thing. So I want to describe this almost as like two separate things. So boundaries, one, you need to respect them and earn that person's trust. The other part of that though, is if there's a, something that the person is nervous about, but interested in exploring, then that could be something where you're trying to figure out a way, a safe way to get in there and explore it with this person. So the way I tend to think about a lot of like what we do with BDSM scenes is that there is like this cliff and you can like look over the cliff, you know, but you can only lean out so far. You don't want to fall off the edge. So you lean out a little bit but you can only go out so far by yourself. When this other person comes along who you trust, they can like grab onto you and lean you out further than you could ever do by yourself. They can get you into a place, a position, a headspace that you can never do by yourself. They can give you that new perspective of leaning way out there. They are keeping you safe. They're the ones that are able to like pull you back in after after sticking you out over this dangerous area. They can pull you back in and they can give you this experience and this perspective that is special, that means a lot very often. And so that is sort of a different perspective on boundaries. That is 
that is the type of thing where it's like if the person wants to explore this, but they're nervous about it, that might be something that you can team up on and, and work towards. So I just mentioned that just because I think that is a that's an opportunity to connect. You want to be respectful of the people of the person's boundaries. There's also that opportunity that you might be able to explore something that they would like to explore. And so when you have conversations, trying to figure some of the stuff out is some of the best stuff and some of the most interesting stuff and some of the most connecting aspects that you're going to have. So that brings me to tip number four, which is having fun exploring expectations and the purpose. So expectations and purpose, what you're really doing here, I guess, is like you're searching when you have a conversation, you sit down you know, for coffee or whatever with somebody and you're starting to try to find out a little bit about them, what we're really doing there is we're looking for commonalities and shared interests. And that ends up being really like the meat of the conversation. So, you know, when you first walk in, you might say hi, you know, and do some small talk, things like that. But then usually you're, you're getting settled in and you're trying to learn about who this other person is. Um, and part of that is the part, you know, looking for purpose and expectations and commonalities and shared interests. So in a BDSM setting, you might say like, oh, you like spanking? I like spanking. Yeah, let's do that. Like that's something we have in common that we want to go to. A, a non-sexual you know, sexual BDSM thing, like a, a regular date thing might be more like, oh, you like Christopher Nolan movies? I like Christopher Nolan movies. Like let's go see that new one that's coming out. So it, that's so often like what the conversations are about is like looking for the commonalities and the shared interests. And so what I want to leave everybody with is a tip, just a simple tip. This is my favorite one on like, how, how do you do this? How do you have this conversation that makes it interesting? And we've done whole entire podcast episodes about this, but how do you have like a really good conversation that lets you kind of figure some of this stuff out? So the best pro tip that I have is open-ended questions. They're, they're going to be your best friend. So if you just learn this one thing, it's going to help you immensely in how to have like interesting conversations. So the thing about open-ended questions, when, if, when you ask somebody about it, is, is their answer is not really important. What you're really doing is you're asking the person to like think about what they're saying and go a little bit deeper. And so usually the person really likes this because it ends up being like you're listening to them, you're paying attention to them, you know, you're showing a level of interest in what they're asking about, you know, and wanting to know more. But you've also not challenged them, you have engaged them to think at a little bit deeper level about it. So whatever they're talking about, if you ask questions like, what was that like? you know, or like, tell me about that. Those are open-ended questions. And really you're tapping into like how things feel emotionally. Like facts very often are boring. There's not much connection there. If you can talk about how something felt or ask about how something felt, the emotion behind it, you know, what they were experiencing, that is, that's going to take that conversation to a much deeper, much personal level. And when you do that and you're caring about it, it's much more connecting and it's just, it's fun. I love it. I love, you know, being able to share that kind of, you know, those maybe sensitive aspects with another person. It's just, you know, I love to be able to like do it myself. If the person's safe and I can share that aspect about me, 
that's wonderful feeling, you know? And if they share something vulnerable about them, you know, about what something was like or whatever, and I can like honor that, like that's, that's giving them like a little gift. So that is my, my pro tip on like, how do you have interesting conversations is open-ended questions are probably your best friend, especially talking about like how things feel emotionally and just asking, you know, like, tell me more, like, what was that like? Those types of things. So if tip number four, exploring expectations and purpose, the commonalities and shared interests, if that is like the meat of like what most conversations are about, the point of having the conversation ends up getting into, I think a lot of times like, you know, what do we want to explore together? And a different, more fun way to say this is like discussing what people desire or what they want or what they crave. This is the fun topic, I think. I love this stuff. So we we did, I do want to suggest, we did a whole podcast episode on it. Uh, it is uh, Ethical Seduction episode 71 on desires and uncovering what you both want to explore together. So there's a whole episode of that. I'm not going to like go into it too detailed, but if you listen to that episode, it's going to, it's like, it's kind of like a semi-secret tip for like helping people feel comfortable enough to where they can like open up and like tell you some of like, what are their unfulfilled desires? Now, if, if they're not feeling safe, if you have not established like some safety and trust in that, like nobody's going to open up. Okay. But if you listen to that episode, it, it is kind of about like, how do you make it safe for somebody to where, when you ask the question, like they'll get, they'll tell you the answers, you know, about things that they, you know, crave and want and desire. And if you can figure out stuff like that, you know, that is, that's a really good, deep connecting conversation. If you can do that, that person is going to be excited to like, we're going on an adventure, you know, and it could be, we're going to go see that movie. You know, that's our shared thing that we want to do. And we're going to go on a second date. And we're going to see this movie that we really care about. It could be that it could also be in the BDSM sense. Like we're going to have a scene, you know, we've set this up. We know what we want to explore together. I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. This person's safe. It's going to be wonderful. They're excited. I got butterflies in my stomach, you know? So that you know, again, plugging, I guess that episode a little bit, but that's, that was a, to me, a really good, important episode which is episode 71 on desires, uncovering what you both want to explore together. That's, that would be my fifth tip. So that's kind of a summary, I guess, of taking like the BDSM negotiation and like what we can do with it. And I think it's important to remember this, like BDSM has been around for a while, how to have these negotiations that process has been honed. You know, I've taught, I teach classes on it. Tons of people have been teaching classes on it for decades, you know, and it gets refined and it gets, you know, improved upon, improved upon. But the point of doing that is to like communicate well, to be able to connect with your partners, to be able to keep everybody safe, everybody comfortable so that we have this great experience. So the same thing applies to like our relationship conversations. If we're going to have coffee with somebody and we're getting to know them and we're able to like establish like some safety and some trust between us and we're getting in there and we're discussing expectations, you know, so that they kind of know what to expect. They know I'm going to be busy for the next week. I'm not going to see them until, you know, next Monday. And so if they kind of know that, then they don't have to like worry, for, you know, about how things are. So, you know, discussing those expectations demonstrating care 
in your actions, you know, by the way you have the conversation and the thoughtfulness of the conversation and the depth of the conversation that you're having, that, that demonstrates care. That's like proof that like shows that how, you know, that you care about things and just trying to understand the purpose of like why you both want to get together again, or like what you want to explore. If you can like figure out the purpose of like, why are, you know, why are we here? you know, meeting and having coffee and then like, what, you know, what are we going to go do? And what do we want to that, you know, to figuring out that th those desires and those wants and those things that people crave and then like choosing that direction, like that's, that's just a wonderful thing. So we really do the BDSM stuff is almost like a formalized version of having a good conversation. And that's the point that I really wanted to kind of try to share and break down that I think everybody can understand. So again, like I said, hopefully you don't have to write notes that you just have this kind of understanding of that. And it, and to know that in the back of your head that when you're having a conversation, you are trying to establish safety, trust, and interest. And you've got a few techniques such as the open-ended questions to help develop that deeper level of conversation that so many people want and struggle with. Anytime you can set that safe, comfortable foundation and then choose something cool to go explore together, that person is going to be so happy to be getting back together with you. You're not going to have people flaking on you. They're going to be genuinely enthusiastic. And like I said earlier, hopefully they have those good nervous butterflies in their stomach for you. So I do have a guide for connecting conversations that you can get. It's a PDF. It's free on our website. Anybody who wants it, if you go to the homepage, you'll see a link where you can, can download it. That is a gosh, five to 10 page short PDF that I put together. Um, it is to give you ideas on, like I gave as an example uh, of for like the open-ended conversations, it's to give you examples like that of how things you can do to have better connecting conversations. So that if anybody who's interested in that, that guide is free and that is on our website. Uh, the other thing just to mention that I have started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching calls. And so if you have like a specific situation that's bothering you, or if you just like want to get a little bit more focused on like what your personal things are that you're dealing with or what you personally want, and you want to get better results faster, then that's where like a, a coaching call you, and just a short one, like 30 minute long coaching call can really make a, a big difference. So I've set that up too. If anybody's interested in that, you can go to the website and you can book a session. If you like today's show, please remember to follow us so you can get future episodes. And if you have friends who might benefit from some of the things we've talked about here or on other episodes, like, you know, shoot them a link, share, share something with them because it can make a difference in their life. And that is the reason that we do the show is, to, is education and to, to help people. So, you know, passing it along, you can make a difference in somebody's life. If you happen to listen on Apple Podcasts and you have a minute where you could like leave us a review or a rating, that really helps us out. So anybody who has done that in the past, thank you so much. And again, if you're listening on your podcast player now, it's it's a quick thing. But again, just to leave us a rating really does help. It also gives us a guide and a sense of like what we're doing right and wrong and feedback. You know, if you leave us a review and give us some writing in there about what you like or don't like. We, we, we read those and that helps that's shaped the show I don't know if you've listened for like the last two years we've been doing this but you know that the show has changed and it has changed because of listener feedback you can also follow us on social media at Instagram 
Facebook, FetLife, Reddit, everything is Ethical Seduction. So you can find us at any of those places. And that wraps us up for today. So I hope everybody got some value out of today's episode. I enjoy doing this one as a solo podcast. It's fun. It always gives, gives me a chance to teach. And thank you, everybody. And remember to live the life you want with the people you want. Bye.